Spoken Word by Joshua T. Berglund. I am Joshua T. Berglund. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I consider it to be a privilege and an honor to get to do this broadcast. And of course, we have our own network and I can broadcast anytime I want. But truly, uh, one thing that is unique about Spoken Word as opposed to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund where I'll talk and have a conversation with anyone for, from any walk of life. Spoken word is our as a ministry, and this is where I truly will speak the word that God gives me to talk about. And so I don't know when, how often I'll broadcast. I have no idea. I thought I'd be doing it a couple days a week, <laughs> but all last week I didn't. I didn't get a word. I waited. I waited, and I'm like, dude, come on, God. And I was like feeling the pure pressure, like that I was giving myself. And I don't know how many of you fall into that trap, you know, with Facebook Live and, you know, you got to post, got to post, got to post. And everyone's got their social media strategies. And even though we kind of broke away from relying on social media two years ago to focus on building our network um, and our foundation and driving traffic to our website and, and just, well, anyway, we don't need to go into that lecture about what we do as a foundation. You can scan the barcode right there and uh, you can find out all of that information now. But one of the things that I've noticed with social media is that I get this, especially Facebook. And I don't know what it is with Twitter. I can like, I love Twitter, but I can walk away from it so much easier than I can Facebook when I'm not actually kicked off of Facebook. And I'm now that I'm back, I've noticed this, this strong desire to like post and, and, and not almost a tweet and to do lives and all of that. But this deal I made with God and this agreement, if you will, was to wait on him. And that's tough to do. I mean, how many of us are in our own life? We get a vision from God. We get a download. And we're just like, okay, it's time to go. And we take action. I've learned the hard way with act, about acting too soon that sometimes it's not the time. You know, God is showing you that as a reminder of the path that you should be on. But that doesn't mean that you're going to get that thing or be, do, be doing that action that you're seeing in your vision, visions right away. I mean, heck, I married somebody I didn't know because I thought once you got a vision, that meant go act on it. So I've learned a lot. I've learned about waiting, and it's been one of the most challenging and frustrating experiences of my life. And, you know, and the reason why is because I have no patience. I have an ego to please, and I just want now, want now, want now. And God is, a, he's very, very patient. Uh, and I can't imagine how much patience it took for God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that we're seeing now, um, you know, for the most part, I mean, the trees, the flowers, the, the, the animals, us, you know, God created all this in six days and he rested on the seventh day. And I was like, how could he have done that? Because I would imagine like if I'm creating all of this cool stuff 
and I'm doing all of these cool things like, you know, making mountains and oceans and stars and planets and a flat earth and everything else. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that it would be really, really hard to want to sit around and wait for it to grow. I just planted flowers around our house. And every day I go out to check them, one, to make sure that I did a good planting job and they're getting enough water and they're looking healthy and they didn't look like they're dying on me already. Like I go check on them, but I'm also doing that because I want to see its growth. I want to see if my pretty flowers have grown yet. I bet you didn't expect me to start talking about flowers. Well, <laughs> I really love landscaping. In fact, about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, I fell out of a tree uh, because I was pruning my giant trees. Don't have a ladder. So I tried climbing. That wasn't a good idea. Anyway, the point is that doing all this cool, amazing work, it's really, really hard to wait on it to develop, for it to sprout, for it to grow, any of that stuff. It's been so hard. And so what I've done in the past when I think about Anything I do in my life is like, okay, if I'm on this path, I want to just bust it. I want to grind. I want to work. I want to bust my butt. And I want to get to that destination as quickly as possible. Going back to what I was talking about with visions. When God gave me the vision for a media organization, I knew nothing about media. Nothing. Not a single thing except for what came through my screen. When it came to... Uh, when the visions about what we would do, I would do with broadcasting and how I would serve, I, again, I'm like, when am I going to get to do all this stuff? And then when you look at the grand vision of what God is showing you, all of it looks amazing. And for some reason, I would develop this mindset of like, well, if I just bust my butt and work 18 hours a day and don't sleep and I rise and grind and I get all hopped up on nootropics and caffeine and everything else under the sun... I'm going to get to my destination sooner. I don't have time to rest, God. I don't have time. i got to keep on going. And guess what's happened every single time? I crash. I get burned out. I get frustrated. I get mad. My ego takes over because it's not growing the way that I want it to and the speed that I want it to. And it's just like, what, what am I doing wrong, God? What am I doing wrong? Why am I not reaching my destination? You showed me this vision. I know it's your promise because I'm getting these little mile markers to remind me. But when am I going to get the whole enchilada of, of what you've shown me? I don't want the chips and salsa, God. Give me, give me the whole enchilada. Well, that's a really weird analogy. I think I'm craving Mexican food. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. You know, I want the whole thing now. And in the six years I've been walking with the Lord, one of the things that I've struggled with the most is nothing. Meaning, doing nothing. It's not just waiting that's doing nothing. Sometimes it's rest. Sometimes it's doing nothing but praying. Doing nothing but sitting still waiting on God to talk. Sometimes it's waiting just to let 
what has been sown and give it a chance to grow. So anyway, today on The Spoken Word by Joshua T. Berglund, we're talking about the Sabbath. And this is a subject that I am not an expert in. I don't know everything the Bible says about it. In fact, when I look look at the Bible verses of it, some of it is very, very hardcore, and some of it's just like, so I'm confused. Do we honor it or not? Because some of the verses, you know, make you feel like, yeah, you can kind of do what you want. <laughs> That's where the Bible can get very, very confusing for people. So I figured, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share this message. I'm going to share from a place that I'm, I just started honoring the Sabbath. My family and I just started honoring the Sabbath uh, about three, four months ago. And it has been the most life-changing thing that I have ever done. I, I, I mean, yes, I giving my life to the Lord, heart, mind, soul. It was ever. It is everything. And maybe that's that is the most powerful thing I've done. Is give my life and surrender to the Lord. How? Who would have thought surrendering would lead to so much power? But there it goes. It does, because God's power is greater than my own. And surrendering my will for his has enabled me, my family, to do things that don't even make sense, but it's been amazing nonetheless. I also want to make an argument towards to people, whether you're a believer or not, about why the Sabbath is awesome and why you should honor it. So before I get into... Um, well, really what the Bible says about it and sharing my own experience, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to speak and just, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak through me. I, like all these messages, I don't feel like I'm qualified to deliver them, but I also do feel grateful that I get to share my experience with what it's been like to be obedient to what you call us to do. And, and it's cool. Like, I, you blow my mind all the time. And I'm not talking about this, ooh, wow, God stuff. I mean, because you do wow me. You do amaze me. But the thing that always blows my mind about is, like, when we look at all of these rules and these things to be obedient to, and your word and your commandments and your, your laws and your principles, like, when you say, when you, people say you need to be obedient to this and you need to follow this, it seems like a bunch of rules that don't even make sense. And it seems stupid because if I want to get to my destination, I should work nonstop and never sleep, right? I should just rise and grind. I should do all those things. But God, you've got a whole other plan. Like you even rested. So why wouldn't we rest? So Lord, I pray that you give me the right words to say, to communicate this in a way that makes sense to believers and non-believers alike. Because after all, I don't believe that the Sabbath is just something for your children or for Christians. I believe that you have this for us all because I believe your principles work for us all. And, and of course, your principles are what leads to the extraordinary purpose that you have for us. And I thank you for the purpose you've given me. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that you've given me to share this message. So please bless the words that I speak. And Holy Spirit, please flow through me. Thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm sweating like you wouldn't believe because now it's finally warm in Minnesota. <laughs> so bear with me. If I'm sweating all over and I look like T.D. Jakes that's coming off of a bender, you know. Anyway, um, I'm not saying that T.D. Jakes is on a bender. 
I was just making a joke because, you know, he sweats his face off and he's got the big rag. And I think I need the big rag anyway. All right. So all the things that I just said leading up to this moment right now is this simply. When I first learned about obedience and the power of obedience, I was at Word of God Church. And that's where I was getting to do the Gratitude Unfiltered Saturday night broadcast. Love being a part of that church. Love Pastor Castillo. Love, I love that ministry. In fact, it's probably the only ministry that I've ever felt welcome in. Um, and that's not why I love them. I love them because they taught me how important obedience is. In fact, I would suggest that the pastor beat it in our heads. Not with like really physically beat us, but he emphasized it so much that he was like, you ever been in church? And you just feel like you start to feel sick at your stomach or you feel a little clench and it's like, or you feel a little jab and then you just go, okay, you're being convicted. That's what that church is. It's just like they put the things that will convict you right in front of your face and they poke at it until you decide to repent. That's my kind of church. You know why? Because I'm hard headed. I'm stubborn. I've got a giant ego. And frankly, a lot of times I think that I know better. And my history also proves that I don't know crap, meaning when I try to do things my own way, I fell miserably, as depicted in the devil inside me, and which is in that barcode right there, which I'm having a hard time pointing at. <laughs> I'm going to flip the camera around. Never mind. Anyway, but obedience has been what has unlocked everything for me, like everything good happening in my life has come from obedience. And while I love to talk about the benefits of obedience, there was one area that I was lacking horribly. And I and, and that was honoring the Sabbath. I didn't want to do it. You know why? I'm going to be very, very honest with you why. When I gave my life to the Lord, I was obviously in a really bad place. I ended up being homeless right after for a little bit. And finding a job, finding all that stuff was very, very hard for me. Because one, the decision I made to start talking about all my past, um, because my dream was to be, you know, doing what I'm doing now, but I wasn't there yet. So I'm looking for work. I'm looking for, you know, we didn't have a foundation then, didn't even know Jessica then, didn't know I, I was still in a toxic relationship. And I, but I'd given my life to the Lord and I was serious about my relationship with the Lord. And every time I thought that I was about to get the big, big, big job. The $10,000 a month, $12,000 a month, $8,000 a month, the, the, the retainers, the, the sponsorships, all that stuff. Every time I thought that I was getting it, and even when I would sign the contract suggesting I was getting it, something terrible happened. Every time. I can't even explain it. But every time I'm at the finish line and I'm about to get paid on something, it could have been a global commercial uh, a consulting job. I mean, like things were just going wrong. I'm like, what am I doing wrong, God? What am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm sending my resume out. I'm doing all the things that you're asking me. Why are, why is this not, why am I struggling so much? Why can't I get back on my feet? Right? Because I couldn't pay rent, couldn't do anything. Just want you to serve me. But how am I going to pay rent? I just want you to serve me. How am I going to pay rent, God? If I'm if I'm just serving you, if I'm just spending time with you, how? How? So I'd get a job. Something crazy would happen. 
And then I'd get mad at God. And then I would rebel. I would have a relapse. I'd do something crazy every time. So finally I got the hint that God just wanted me to serve. So I just decided, well, I'm just going to serve. Fast forward, get a media organization, nonprofit media organization. Still broadcasting. Still working seven days a week. But I'm serving God seven days a week. Okay. And then we make the decision. Okay, well, you know, we're going to start selling some of our things. And we're going to start selling some of our services. God, I just want you to serve me. I just want you to serve. How am I going to pay rent, God? Now I have a wife and I have two kids. How are we going to pay rent? How is this going to happen? I just want you to serve me. How? Over and over and over again, I went through this song and dance thinking that I know better. I need to do the things like get a job, do all that. But I kept ignoring God's whisper of just serve me. I finally got it in my head that I need, just needed to serve. But then I was not honoring something that has been proven to me over and over again, which is probably one of the most important commandments of them all. And that is to honor the Sabbath. Because, I mean, if I'm serving, okay, then that means I'm going to rely on the Lord's blessings. But then if I take a day off of serving and not doing anything, well, then what's going to happen? So in my own confused brain, this may or may not make sense to you, because whether you honor the Sabbath or not, or maybe it wasn't a big decision for you, or maybe you think the Sabbath is a joke and it's outdated, I don't know. But I'm just sharing with you my own experience. So finally, I get convicted of it really hard about three times, and it took the third time for me to finally say, we're honoring the Sabbath. I told Jessica, we're honoring the Sabbath. And here is what I've experienced. Well, the first Sabbath we honored, it was just kind of like, all right, I think I'm doing this right. I'm not working. I'm hanging out with my family. Okay, cool. What I didn't realize, though, because even though my heart wasn't really in it, and I was still thinking I need to work, I was fighting the temptation to go to my computer, fighting doing all the things that I love to do every single day, responding to emails of people that we get to help, whatever it may be. Like I was fighting all of it because I wanted to be obedient. But I got to tell you, my heart wasn't in it. Nonetheless, you know, we had been going through a really rough season with whether it was attacks and failures and letdowns and disappointments. And that first Saturday, well, really starting Friday night into Saturday, was pretty cool. And I'm going to limit it at pretty cool. You know why? Because what I noticed from it was the next day, my kids, everyone seemed happier. We seemed closer as a family. Okay. Not really. A, it wasn't moving. Okay. It was something. But I noticed the next week, my work was better. Meaning I was more on point. I was more effective. I was nicer to people. I was easier. I was able to handle criticism, negative feedback better. And, but more importantly, as a family, felt closer. 
And so I noticed also that I worked harder, was more focused that next week. And then by the time I got to Friday, by four o'clock, I was like, man, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the Sabbath. I'm ready to rest. Going into that next Sabbath, I was so plugged in and focused to my family. And see, why that's a big deal is because I'm never really fully present, especially when my brain is saying, I've got to work. i got to get this done. I'm in a hurry. I've got this project. I don't want to be behind going into next week. I put all that aside. The next week was even better and more powerful. But anyway, I'm not going to go through week on week of the four months, but here's what's happened. I've failed in every relationship I've ever been in. I've been in jail because of relationships, because of how toxic they were and and abuse and other things and other bad things that I did. Um, I've never had a healthy family life. I've never really valued family. It was never important to me. None of those things matter because I just needed to do what I needed to do. What the Sabbath has taught me is that Family is the most important thing in the world. And I know that's a really common thing for people to say, but, and and if I've ever said it in the past, there's no way I could have meant it with the depth that I mean it today. Having that time set aside where there is no distractions, just my family, and we're going to go do stuff together has made us best friends, made us a true family where we have each other's backs. We have the conversations. We come together as a family that's been united by God and we're celebrating God because of this day. The Sabbath is, I know, is meant for rest, but I also believe it's also a recharge of and a refueling of the love that keeps families together. It has been profound. More importantly, even though that we serve full-time and taking that day off, we have been blessed as a nonprofit. Our, Our dreams and our visions have started to come together faster and quicker, and we are making progress where we never made it before. How is this possible? Because I'm supposed to rise and grind. I'm supposed to work my butt off. I'm supposed to do all those things. But here it is from Friday at 6 o'clock to Saturday at 6 o'clock and really even carrying over into Sunday where I'm just kind of chilling with my family and spending extra time with God that it's basically giving me a new lease on life ahead of every week. And on top of that, it's bringing my family closer together. And I'm sure you've heard the expression, Happy wife, happy life. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, that's true. But when your kid's love tank is full, full, that's a game changer. Like we have a a five and a half and seven year old. And we just, how our family has transformed from honoring the Sabbath is Truly, 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 truly a gift from God. 
And I know that God says it's a gift, and we're going to get into Scripture here in just a second. But my body heals. My mind heals. My heart heals. I don't dread ever. I mean, I love what I do. I'm so fortunate to get to serve full time. But I mean, there's times where it's just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this right now. That day, it, it helps me also not just recharge my spirit and recharge my batteries and my mind and all that, but it also, it's, it's, it's almost like it makes the purpose in which I was created for make even more sense and become even more important. How is that? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, I'm going to get into what the scripture says. Um, but I just want to tell you that if you're not honoring the Sabbath, it, I know it's a command from the Lord, but just if we take that, let's take God and Jesus out of it for a second. And even though they belong in everything, in my opinion, let's take them out for a second. If it, it is the ultimate, it's the ultimate show of faith of, listen, you took a day off. I can do it too. I'm going to do it. And, well, that's not making sense. Help me. No, I don't want to take Jesus and God out of it. I'm going to try to make a pitch to the secular audience. Here's the thing. There's a creator. You can't, if you deny that there's a creator, I don't know what to tell you. I, I would have really have a hard time having a conversation with you. It's easier to have the conversations with people that, you know, they may not believe in Jesus or love Jesus or he may not be their Lord and Savior, but they have other religions or other beliefs because they believe that there's a creator. So it's easier to talk like this. If your creator can take a day off, yeah, you should be able to also. But if he can work those miracles in six days, and if we're made in his image, well, surely we can do just, not maybe not just as much, because I don't think we can create mountains, but you know what? We sure as heck can do some pretty amazing things and extraordinary things. And how much more difficult is it to do something extraordinary when you're exhausted? Pretty hard. Anyway, let's get into what scripture says about this, because I want to know too, and some of these verses may sound hypocritical to you, or they like they contradict each other. And I will leave this up to the biblical scholars to debate. But I do love the Bible, and I'm going to do my best to interpret this, and uh, do my best to interpret it um, in a way that it makes sense, and also the way that maybe you can apply to your life. God spoke to Moses, "Tell the Israelites, above all, keep my Sabbaths." The sign between me and you, generation after generation, to keep the knowledge alive that I am the God who makes you holy. Keep the Sabbath. It's holy to you. Whoever profanes it will most certainly be put to death. Jeez. Whoever works on it will be excommunicated from the people. There are six days for work, but the seventh day is Sabbath. Pure rest. Holy to God. Anyone who works on the Sabbath will most certainly be put to death. The Israelites will keep the Sabbath. I the Israelites will keep the Sabbath. Observe Sabbath keeping down through the generations as a standing covenant. Uh -huh. It's a fixed sign between me and the Israelites. 
Yes, because in six days, God made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he stopped and took a long, deep breath. So I don't know how many people have died from not honoring the Sabbath. But what I can tell you, because I was talking about exhaustion and overwork and being tired, which is basically the equivalent of being strung out. And for those of you former, uh, you know, meth and cokeheads like myself, you know, you know what it's like to be strung out when you've gone, you've been up for three or four days straight and like what that's like. That's what I feel like when I'm working all the time and I don't take a break. Like God also, and I know I'm sure we're going to get into a verse, but, you know, part of the other reason for the Sabbath was basically to give workers a rest, including your animals. If you're a farmer, because I think it references that in one of the verses about letting your oxen or something, um, letting them rest. And then also letting the ground rest, because I believe that for six years, you know, you can plant and harvest and then or you plant and you take the harvest plant, take the harvest plant for six years. And then on the seventh year, you just let the land rest and let it heal. And if you think about some of the issues that we have, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but the soil that we have has been turned too much. I think I'm saying it right. It's been turned too much. Like we're over farmed. We've overfished. I don't believe in overpopulation, but, you know, some people believe that we're overpopulated. But the fact is, we have just uh, used and abused the resources that God's given us. Think about it. Again, I go back to farmland. I go back to our vegetables. Now we're pumping steroids in our meat because it's not big enough. It's not fat enough. It's not sizable enough. We're overdoing everything. And what is the sacrifice to it? When I say overdoing everything, think about the hormones that are injected in food. Think about the long-term consequences, not only to the animal, but also to the person eating it. The fertilizers that are being used. All this stuff that has been doing because we're doing too much, so to speak. It's having, there's going to be consequences. There's consequences for overfishing. There's consequences for too much of anything, including to our own bodies. And it's easy to say a good night's sleep, but God intended us to have a day of just rest. And here's the other thing, too. And I think that I don't think God was selfish in this because God knows us better than anything. And he knows how important our relationship and being connected is. But you got to think. When we're not working and we're idle and we're resting. Doesn't God have the opportunity then to be able to communicate with us better? What he wants for us, the instructions he has for us for the week before? Because I, I know this, and, 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 and I'd love to hear from you about this, but have you, have you noticed a difference in your quiet time during the week versus the Sabbath, if you're keeping the Sabbath? Have you noticed a difference in your approach when you're with God? Odds are you're in a less of a hurry. And God doesn't want us to hurry. He wants us to be still and know he's God. John 5, 17. But Jesus defended himself. My father is working straight through, even on the Sabbath. So am I. That's one of those statements that I'm telling you that it was a little, when I read it, I'm going, wait a second. So are we going to honor the Sabbath or not? And this is confusing. Like God said on a Sabbath, but then now he's saying he works straight through. So what does that mean? So I'd love to hear from you, religious, uh, not religious, but biblical scholars that would know the full context. I really appreciate your input on that. 
Jeremiah 17, 21. This is God's message. Be careful. If you care about your lives, do not desecrate the Sabbath by turning it into just another workday. Lugging stuff here and there. Don't use the Sabbath to do business as usual. Keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded with your ancestors. They never did it, as you know. They paid no attention to what I said and went about their own business, refusing to be guided or instructed by me. I got to tell you, like those of you that just, you know, you're meditators, you're not necessarily prayers, which you're praying out loud, talking to God, asking God for things. You're, you know, you're able to sit there. and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but I would imagine that on the day, like, you know, we go to church and a lot of people think Sunday is the Sabbath. It's not. The Catholic Church changed it. But a lot of people think that going to, the, to church and, and being in all that is where to hear from God, where the only time to hear from God, the only place you hear from God. And that's where I go do all my holy stuff is church. If you are a follower of Jesus, church is basically like your opportunity to go to the football game. Like when you go to the OU football game or whoever your team is and you go to the game, going to church is like going to the game to me. It's entertainment. Yeah, sure, you hear a good message, you hear music, but a lot of it, a lot of the experience is manufactured, or at least a lot of the churches, the modern-day churches that I've been to. Not all of them, but a lot of them. The donuts, the coffee, the piped-up music, the smoke, the laser show, the, the bass making your booty dance, all that stuff. Again, not bad-mouthing it. But I don't believe that you could really hear from God in that manufactured chaos. You can't. I just don't believe you can. Sure, you can get chills. Sure, you can, you know, get the get a good flow going. But do you know how easy it is with the strike of a music chord to send shivers down your spine? There's a synthetic experience that can happen. So... That one day, if that's the one day that you have, that you truly are just chilling and you're quiet and you're resting and you're not busy and you're not moving and rumbling around, that you have just to be present, not just present with you and God, but also present with your family. Because I don't believe there's anything more important to God other than us loving each other than your family. Your family is your blood. Your family is, I mean, I hope and pray this for you, but your family is supposed to be the people that you can be honest with, you can be fully authentic with, you can get rid of your secrets with, because your family, for the most part, is going to love you no matter what. Friends? Yeah, sometimes they turn their back on you. People that you think are your friends, same story. But because the Sabbath is not just a gift from God for your own restoration, it's for your family restoration, and it's meant to bring you closer together. And I believe with all my heart that in these coming months and years, um, and I don't know how far out that is, but in that time, you're going to look around and 
the most important thing you have is your family. So either it's who is under your roof with you, your extended family. But I don't know about you, but I have in the last year or two years, my heart, even though God has given me a new family with Jessica and the girls, my heart misses my family, my, my brother, uh, my brother's wife, my nephews, my niece, uh, and, and my other daughter, and, and my mom, and my stepdad. Like, I, I wish we were all in the same spot. Because if anything the Sabbath has taught me, which has been a lot, but one of the things is just how important family is. And the need for it, and really what God's design for it was. Wait, let's see. But if you won't listen to me, won't keep the Sabbath holy, won't quit using the Sabbath for doing your own work, busily going in and out of the city gates on your self-important business, then I'll burn the gates down. Then, in fact, I'll burn the whole city down, palaces and all, with fire and nobody else able to put it out. That's Jeremiah 17, 27. You know, here's what I know. And I don't know if he really means that if you don't honor the Sabbath, he's going to set your city on fire. I don't know if that's what God was really saying there. Um, I don't know. But here's what I do know. It's kind of like, you know, you get the check engine light that goes on in your car. It's it's telling you that there's a problem. Like you should pay attention to whether it's time to change oil, you got a flat tire, your engine, whatever it may be. It's a warning sign. It doesn't mean that you're going to die now, but it's a warning sign of like, hey, you might want to address this problem before it becomes a bigger problem. This is extremely gross, but I'm going to share it because it's the first thing that came to mind. I think about the consequences for my actions and all leading up before me finding out that I had HIV. I would get warnings of getting really, really sick. I would get warnings of, I would see, you know, uh, my urine would be funky. It could have been from the meth, it could have been from the coke, it could have been from sex, it could have been gonorrhea. I don't know. But I would get the warnings. And then I would ignore it or I'd take a medicine and, you know, make it go away. And then I'd get the warning again. A little bit more, a little bit more severe. Then I'd get arrested for something. More severe. The whole time it was God trying to get my attention. Hey, this is not what I want for you. This is not what I called you to. What are you doing? This is not, your body is a temple. What the hell are you shooting that in you for? Who, why are you having sex with all of those people? You're destroying yourself. What is wrong with you? Just keep on going. Now, do more drugs. Drink more so I could drown out any bit of discernment I had left. I got all the warning signs, but I just ignored them. And then HIV. But you see, I could give a story of multiple times in my life where God gave a warning. And it would come through another person it would come from what it would just, it would pop up and I would see it or I'd feel it or I'd experience it and I would just ignore it. Even after I gave my life to the Lord, I would ignore, like I told you about, God, I just want you to spend time with me. I got to find a job to pay rent. Just kept ignoring him and more failure and more failure, more failure to the point 
where it's like, okay, okay. Okay, I'll do it your way. Because clearly it's not working me trying it my way. I think I know better because, you know, the, the super successful guy on Facebook with all the fancy cars and all the expensive courses and the Rolex watch and, and you know, like, they're saying I got to rise and grind. They're saying I got to I gotta take this course and do this 10-step process and I got to do it this way because this is the way the masters do it. Got to follow this business principle because that's how it's always been done. This is a proven technique. This is how you're going to do it. So I'm listening to that, but then I'm hearing God say, I just want you to serve me. But God, I'm going to take this business course because, you know, I got to, I got, I got, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm going to learn the business and I'm going to, I'm going to make some money and I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to do that. I just want you to serve me. But God, I'm going to learn this anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to learn it. Just want you to spend time with that. But God. Dude, over and over again, and, and if you're sick of me saying it, imagine how God felt, because I argued with him for years. This was a, a few-minute window you had to listen to it. Can you imagine being God? How many times have you argued with God for years straight? No, I don't want to do that. I No, God, he's going to change. I know he's beating the crap out of me, but he's going to change. I see the good in him. There's a lot of women in my life. They regret saying that. Oh, I see the good in him. There is no good in me without Jesus. None. None. And even with Jesus, there's times that I'm not really that nice of a human being. Trying to be. But you see, this is why obedience matters. Because obedience is the straightest path you can ever go toward the destination that God created you for. And part of that obedience is doing nothing but chilling with God and your family on the Sabbath. Keeping it holy. Not going out and shooting up heroin. Not going out and getting smashed. Not going out and getting high. No. Spending time keeping it holy. Recharging the batteries. Filling up the love tanks of the people that love you and support you every day of the week. That allow you to do the things you're doing. If you're married and you're a man and your wife's holding things down at the house, this is when you get to step up and be Mr. Mom. And of course, you can help during the week, too. I'm not saying you don't do that because you should. But I'm saying, like, this is where you get to step up and really help relieve your wife if she's who's taking care of the kids. No matter what, it's a Sabbath for all. And it's meant to replenish you. And we heart like, you know, all and listen, I got to. I got a bad habit with caffeine. I love, because caffeine keeps my mind steady. And, you know, instead of taking ADH drugs, I love nootropics, you know, like mushroom-based stuff. And and I love caffeine because, you know, I, it, it's better than Coke and meth. But the fact is, I do take a lot of caffeine. And it's not like it just keeps me all hyped up. It doesn't really work for me that way. But it does help my mind a lot. But I think about... What has happened with caffeine, which I'm working on reversing, is that now I need more caffeine. I need more. I need more. Or I needed more. Because I was wearing myself out. 
was going because I was tired, then I needed to synthetically pump myself up with something so that I could keep going and keep going and keep going. But ever since I started honoring the Sabbath, those batteries get recharged and I'm ready to take on the world all over again. And also, when I have a better attitude, I, it makes it a lot easier to reflect the love of Jesus, does it not? Because when I'm tired and cranky, I'm not easy to be around. Like, you talk about somebody who needs their binky or their blankie. Yeah, that's me when I'm tired. I'm a full-grown baby uh, when I'm tired. It's ridiculous. All right, let's see. Exodus 28. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. Bust your butt. Work six days. Hardcore. There's no time limit there. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Do not do any work, not you, not your son, not your daughter, not your servant, not your maid, not your animals, not even the foreign guests visiting in your town. For in six days God made heaven, earth, and the sea, and everything in them. He rested on the seventh day, therefore God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. Deuteronomy 5.12, no working on the Sabbath. Keep it holy just as God, your God, commanded you. Work six days doing everything you need to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest day. No work. Is this back to Exodus and Deuteronomy of the same verse? How about that? No work, not you, your son, your daughter, your servant, your maid, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, and not even the foreigner visiting your town. That way your servants and maids will get the same rest as you. Don't ever forget that you were slaves in Egypt and God, your God, you got out of there in a powerful show of strength. That's why God, your God, commands you to observe, observe the day of Sabbath rest. Leviticus 25.1, God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them, when you enter the land which I'm going to give you, the land will observe a Sabbath to God. Sow your fields, prune your vineyards, and take in your harvest for six years. But the seventh year, the land will take a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a Sabbath to God. You will not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Don't reap what grows of itself. Don't harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land gets a year of complete and total rest. But you can eat from the land volunteers during the Sabbath year. You and your men and women servants, your hired hands, and the foreigners who live in the country, and of course, also your livestock and the wild animals in the land can eat from it. Whatever the land volunteers of itself can be eaten. Hmm. Okay, this is the last one. Isaiah 58, 13. If you watch your step on the Sabbath, and don't use my holy day for personal advantage. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. All right, man. That's the one I wanted to finish with because it's amazing. This is such a wonderful and beautiful gift that God has given us. 
and it's changed my life. It's changed my family's life. You know, I'm my wife's perspective on this will be similar, but she's got her own stories on it. But it has been the most amazing gift. And look, I don't believe, this is the thing that I believe with all my heart. God's principles work for everyone. Whether you're a believer or not, God's principles work for you. It's a fact. And, and so while non-believers may not look at the Sabbath as a day of rest to get closer to God, I believe with all my heart, a rested soul, a rested heart, a rested mind, a rested body is open to receiving the things that God has for them a lot easier than being strung out. Because one of the things about being strung out, and I'm not referring to drugs here because I guess it does work with drugs too. But one of the things about being strung out is that you don't have the ears to hear anything. Because you could be strung out and freaking out and somebody go, here, have some water. <clears throat> that was coffee, not water. <clears throat> but like, here's some water. But when you're strung out and crazy, like, you're like, no, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. You ever been so mad or upset or so exhausted that just hearing people talk felt exhausting? Or you, you're hearing things that aren't really there? Or maybe they really are there, but what you're hearing, you don't want to hear, you don't have time for, because you don't have the patience for it. It's a lot easier to have patience when you're rested. It's a lot easier to, to seize the day, so to speak, to rise and grind when you're rested. And I'm not making fun of rising grinders. God bless you. God bless you. But you'll be able to grind a lot harder. If you honor the Sabbath, the Sabbath has, like, has grown the roots of our family. And look, it's not like it's perfect. My goodness, I have DID. I sometimes turn into someone else. Doesn't last very long anymore, thank God. But I mean, it happens you know, it's not like everything's just roses because I have, we honor the Sabbath, but I'll tell you one thing. We are able to handle a lot more that's coming at us. And we're able to move forward more confidently and more boldly because of honoring the Sabbath. It's for you. It's interesting. I really believe that God's commandments and the things that God asks from us are for our benefit, not to be a ruler, a dictator. It's not like a forced vaccination. God gave you free will. You can choose. You can choose. Do you want great or do you want anything else? Because honestly, with God... Everything has an opportunity to be great, even hardship, even struggle, even setbacks, even attacks, even, uh, what's, the, what's the word, betrayal. All of that has an opportunity to be great for you in Christ and when it's being done for the Lord or when it's surrendered to the Lord. But when you say, I'm going to do this my way, 
do you know what happens? You're going to have to settle for whatever that is. But count on this. It won't be great. It will always be less than what it was intended to be. There's a book called From Good to Great. I haven't read it. I haven't read it. <laughs> um, but I think of this when I think of life with Jesus and life without. I was an extraordinary partier. I was an extraordinary chem sex addict. Extraordinary, not in a good way. I was extreme balls to the wall, a thousand miles an hour. And, and, and I'm just doing it all out. I was never satisfied, never happy, could never get the high, the sex situation that I wanted because I always needed more, was always unfulfilled, was never happy and was just exhausted. But I had to keep going because I'm chasing this thing, this fake hope, this fake glory, this fake happiness, this fake joy, this fake pleasure. It was all fake. None of it had was real. None of it was had substance and it was all fleeting. Because God wasn't in it. Now that God is in, runs the ship, so to speak, God is now in everything because God is put first. I even, when I'm struggling with my thoughts and sometimes desires, I, as weird as this is, start talking to God about it. Like, do you want me to do this? Because you see, I don't know how the devil works with you, but the devil works for me where he makes things sound like it's a really good idea and that it's okay. And sometimes it even convinces me that it's going to be okay. <laughs> so I've started talking to God about this in detail. And it's pretty amazing sometimes the answers I get back. And no, God is not saying, go, go sin. He's not saying that at all, at all. But it's amazing how... I can have these grown-up conversations with the Lord. And I don't believe that that would have happened without the Sabbath. Because without the Sabbath, it's, another, it's like it's forcing me to slow down enough to be able to hear my thoughts. Like when I, you know, I always try to outrun God. And I always try to outrun what God had for me. Like he would show me what he had for me. But I wanted no part of it. I was running from it. Like, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to act like a good boy. I don't want to hang around church people. I don't want to, I don't want to do live that life because it all seemed boring and awful to me. Always running from God. Well, I learned really good that you can't outrun God because he will run you right into a jail cell and isolation and he'll get you right where he wants to if he has to. Like, you can't outrun God. He is going to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. Eventually, you may run out of opportunities because you're dead. But God's going to pursue you until then. I learned that because God hunted me down. Got me locked away. Got me away from everything where he 
and I were alone. And now, I think in the same way, this, the Sabbath forces us to stop long enough from our busy week, our busy schedules with the kids, the stress and everything else. God uses that time to remind us that he is God. He's got us. And if he's going to care for those annoying birds that poop on your car and your clothes and everything else, if he's going to take care of them, what do you think he's going to do for you? I mean, it's the same principle of tithing. You, like when you give God that 10% so you can operate off of 90, that simple discipline of going, here, God, this is for you. Thank you. Because without you, this is impossible. There you go. And then that 90% becomes more than the 100%. Like, how is that possible? How is 90% more than 10%? I mean, how is 90% more than 100%? It's simple. When you give that, when that 10% is given to God, watch him use it. Same way with the Sabbath. How can I get more done in six days than I can seven days? God knows. Anyway, I hope this made sense. I, the purpose of this was to make it your idea that you wanted to honor the Sabbath. I mean, look, there's a there's a bunch more verses and all that, and could have kept reading it. But I want to honestly say to believers and non-believers alike, the Sabbath is a gift. And kind of like salvation, all you have to do is just accept it. It doesn't cost anything. It truly costs you nothing to accept the Sabbath as the gift it is. And, and, and you will never know the gift it truly is until you surrender all the earthly stuff that you're thinking that you need to do and just spend that time with God and your family and rest. God will do more with less. God will do more with anything than you can do on your own. But it that sacrifice that you're making, the sacri the sacrifice that you're making to receive a gift. It's like I think about all the Christmas presents you could get and all the Christmas presents you could ask for. None of them are as rewarding is the gift of the Sabbath. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to broadcast. Thank you. I, I, I hope that this made sense. I hope I was able to relay why the Sabbath matters and how impactful it's been on our life. I thank you for that gift. I thank you for the gift of getting to go and, and, to, and to, to pursue my dreams, like God dreams, the dreams you've placed inside of me. I thank you for that. And I don't believe that that would have even been possible in the way that it's just transformed without the decision to honor the Sabbath, without the decision to surrender my life to you. 
my life is nothing without you, Lord. And I, and, and, and really, even the people that doubt you, I pray, I pray that you show them the extraordinary life that you have for them that is far better than anything that they think that they have now. That's the mind-blowing thing. Like even, even at the times that I thought that I was loving life, how grossly mistaken I was to compare to the life that you have for me. And it's not like they made it sound in church. It's way more wild. It's way more fun. It's way, it's way more full of joy. And, and, and it's, your promises are so true and they're worth trusting and they're worth surrendering anything that I want in my own selfish desires, it's worth trading that for what you want because what you want is perfection. Our purpose, our, the reason why we were created in that specific reason, we can't operate in that specific reason without you. So why not follow you? Why not surrender my plans for yours? I'm grateful that I did that, I made that decision, Lord, and I pray that anyone out there that wants more and they know that you have more for them or they know that there's more out there for them, just period, or they're sick and tired of the, the failures and the shortcomings and falling flat at the finish line, not even crossing because they're tired and they're strung out and they're worried. I pray that they just simply... Say, Lord, my life is no longer mine. It's yours. I surrender. Take my life. It's yours. I want what you have for me and nothing else. It's so simple, yet so powerful. And I thank you for that gift. I thank you for the gift of salvation. And I thank you for the gift of your Sabbath. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for watching. Have a blessed day.